The scripture reading for today is Philippians 4, 10 through 20. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God. Well, good morning again, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for praying for us and for your constant, as Paul would say, your constant sharing in the ministry of Jesus Christ together. We've been talking about that these last couple of weeks. Koinonia, koinonia. Do you remember what it means? Fellowship, good. <laughs> Pastor Andrew got it right. That's a good sign. Yay. Fellowship. So fellowship, partnership, participation, sharing. These are all the English ways that it's translated. The word koinonia is translated into several different English words in your Bible. So I just, I just gave you several of those. So fellowship, partnering, participation, sharing, those are the big ones. And so we are in fellowship, we are in koinonia with God. This is the, the working definition that we've used over the last couple of weeks. We're sharing in the life and mission of the Trinity together. We partake, we partake of God, we partake of the Trinity, we we receive Christ, we receive God, we receive the Spirit into our lives by faith, and then we partner with Him. So we partake of Him and we partner with Him. We partner in God's work on earth, in His mission on earth. And so uh, a big question for all of you this morning is, are you in fellowship with God? Are you in fellowship with God? And if you're sitting here this morning and you're listening to me and you're saying, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in fellowship with God. Well, then I would, I would strongly, very, very strongly encourage you to ask yourself, well, what does that mean and how can I be in fellowship with God? And we believe that you can be in fellowship with God by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and his life offered to you. His perfection offered to you. You'll never be perfect. You'll never get it right. right. My worth is not in what I own. My worth is not in what I do. My, earth, my worth is not in my performance. Instead, I have to receive what Christ has done. He's the perfect one. He's the performing one. He's the one who gets it correct all of the time. And so this becomes our definition of a Christian. A Christian is someone who is in fellowship with God, in fellowship with the Trinity, Today, we're going to talk about giving 
from living in koinonia. That's the, that's the title of our, our sermon this morning. Giving from living in koinonia. And some of you are thinking, oh man, this is, the, this is the yearly giving sermon. This is the one where the pastors make us feel guilty about giving money and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, no, it is never our intention to make anybody feel guilty about their giving. And, and you can tell from my title, we want to explore our motivations for giving. Why talk about giving at all? What's, why? Because, here's why. Because you are a giver. You are a giver. You are created to be a giver. To image God is to image a giver. God is a giver. His very nature is to give and to share and to pour out. That's why he created he didn't create to get. He didn't create humanity to get anything. He's self-sufficient. He created to give. He is a giver. As an image bearer of God, you too are a giver. All of you are givers. Whether You're giving to something, aren't you? You're giving your time to something. You're giving your money to something. And my guess would be most of us in here are loving, caring, and, and we're giving, and we're sharing, and, and we're taking care of somebody, we're raising kids, or we're caring for friends, or taking care of our older parents, or whatever. We're doing all of these things because we're givers, because that's what we are, that's who we are. And, and that's where the letter of Philippians will end. In chapter 4, 14 and 15, uh, Paul says, that he, he admonishes them, or he um, encourages them, I should say, because they are sharing in his ministry. So if you haven't already, find Philippians chapter 4 in your Bible. We're going to walk through the book of Philippians a little bit this morning, and, and then we're going we're gonna to set ourselves down in chapter 4. What, um, what Jenna just read to us, we're going to kind of land ourselves there. But in chapter 4, look at verse 14. Paul says, it was kind of you to share my trouble. Guess what the word share is? Koinonia. 15, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. So koinonia with me in giving and receiving except only you. So Paul's going to land us there. But, you know, how do, how do we get there? So we're going we're gonna to walk ourselves through some of these big ideas in Philippians that talk about giving and sharing and sharing in ministry. And the primary way that the Philippian church shared in Paul's ministry was literally they, they gave him money. They gave him money. Do you remember where Paul is when he wrote this? Does anybody remember? He's in prison, isn't he? And back then, when you were in prison, the government didn't pay for your meals and your place to stay. They didn't give you three hots and a cot like they do today. Back then, somebody had to support you while you were in prison. People had to give you money so that you could send somebody out to buy your meals. And so Paul, being, being literally in chains, he needs the support. He, without the support from God, he's in trouble. So we're going to walk through this. What does this look like? So lesson one, give from the grace and through faith in God. Give from the grace of God and through faith in God. Give from grace and faith in God. Grace from God, faith in God. We want to start with our relationship with God. That's where we're starting this morning. We start with our relationship with God. I drew you a picture. 
This is what our, relation, our basic relationship with God looks like. God pours out grace upon us through the gospel, through Christ, through the Spirit. He's pouring out grace, pouring out grace, pouring out grace constantly. It's an, end, it's a, it's an unending supply of grace, isn't it? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God has been gracious to you? Do you believe that that supply is unending? And then our response is we respond in faith to God. We respond in faith. And so that faith looks like things like worship and praise, or it looks like um, being on mission and, and embracing the cause of Christ, serving and loving and caring and giving. Notice that word dependence that's flowing up towards God. We, this is a relationship of need. Your, your vertical relationship with God is a relationship of need. You need God. I hope you believe that. If, you, if you're not starting there in life, in your Christian life, you've you got to go back to that basic truth. If God, if God quits on us right now, what happens? If God stops sustaining the universe and stops holding the universe together as Hebrew says he does, if gravity goes away, what happens? We fly off the planet and suffocate to death, don't we? Right? If the rain stops falling, what happens? We all stop eating and we all stop having jobs where we get to kind of do what we want to do with our lives. All that goes away because we're foraging for food. We are alive physically because God's grace. He's pouring it out. Now, spiritually... Think about that. Where would you be spiritually without the grace of God? Without grace, God giving you Christ. Without God giving you the Spirit. Without God giving you forgiveness. Without God giving you hope. Where would we be? And so we see this relationship in, here in the end of the letter. Chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's the grace of God being poured out. That's the grace of God being poured out to our God and Father. Here we go. Here's our faith. Here's our response. Pastor Andrews used that word a couple of times. We, we worship responsively to our God and Father. Be glory forever and ever. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. And then how does Paul describe their gifts? They are a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Their giving to Paul was an offering to God. It was an act of faith towards God. An aroma to God. He's reminding us of in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament when they went to the temple, there was two altars. Do you remember this? If you ever, if you ever went to Sunday school or, or, or whatever, you ever read Exodus? So uh, there's two altars. And the first altar, if, as I walk in, if, if I'm walking in, I'm going to see this big, huge altar. It's called the bronze altar. And on that altar, we would sacrifice a lamb or a, a cow or something as a sacrifice for sin. But what we often forget is that there was another altar. If I went into the temple, I would find the golden altar of incense there. And the golden altar of incense was not sacrifices for sins, it was sacrifices of praise. A sweet-smelling aroma to our God. 
So listen, your giving, your sharing, your contributing, it does not earn you forgiveness of sins. Make sure you understand that. But what it is, it's an offering on that golden altar of incense. It's a sweet-smelling aroma of praise to God. I can give because God has given to me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So what does this look like? What does this faith look like? It looks like this giving. But what does a lack of faith look like? Paul gives them a warning in Philippians chapter 3 where he describes the false teachers and the Judaizers and the, you know, kind of the bad guys who are coming in and stirring up trouble in the church. And he describes them this way. He says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a couple warnings here for us about our giving. Why, why, why is it hard for us to give? Maybe because our God is our belly. Our belly has become our God. In other words, in other, in other words we're just all about ourselves. We're just about holding on to things, aren't we? Right? I earned it. It's mine. Mine, mine, mine. Or... We can be giving, but giving with the complete wrong mindset where our glory becomes our shame. Some of us glory in our giving. Some of us make a big deal about our giving. We think that we're a better Christian because we give more. And Paul's saying, no, that's, you're, you're glorying to your own shame. Your, your, your standard for giving is not each other. My standard for giving is not you. My standard for giving is, is God. And guess how I stack up compared to him? pretty lousy, right? I'm pretty bad at giving when I compare my giving to Jesus's giving. And so I can never glory in my giving because that will only result in shame. I have to glory in his giving, receive honor from him. I have to take my mind, what does he say? They, They got their mind set on earthly things i got to get my mind off earthly things. My citizenship is in heaven. My citizenship is in heaven, and I await a Savior from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lesson two. Lesson two. We give from living in koinonia with Christ and His church. So, we give from our relationship with God. God is pouring out. We are responding in faith, but I'm also giving from this relationship that I have horizontally with you, with the church. I drew another picture. It looks like this. So God, as God is pouring into us, that what he's pouring out to me is now circulating amongst the believers, isn't it? God has poured knowledge into me. Where does that go? Do I hoard it or do I share it with you? God has poured gifts into me. What do I do with those gifts? Do I hoard them or do I share them with you? God has poured money towards me. He's given me money. He's given me possessions. What, do I, what am I going to do with that? Do I hoard it or do I release it and share it with the body? And so we have this shared mission together, this shared suffering as we're going to see in a minute, together as the church, as the body. But this is not my relationship here. My relationship here with God is one of need. I need God. But my relationship here with you all is not one of need. It's one of contentment, we're going to see. That's what Paul says. It's one of contentment. In other words, my relationship with God 
He's the king. He's the king. I'm the servant, right? He's the dad. I'm the kid. I need him. Like a servant needs his king, like a child needs their dad. But my relationship with you is a friendship. It's a friendship. So we don't hold each other in need or in debt to each other, do we? That's where we're going to go. So let's walk through this. So in your Bible, flip back to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to put these scriptures up on the screen too. But it's always good to be flipping in our Bibles or, or scrolling. If you've got, got an app or whatever, to be looking at the scripture for ourselves. So in Philippians 1, Paul will talk this way. He, he uses the word koinonia at the end here in chapter 4, but he's been talking about koinonia through the whole letter. So in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel, so I give thanks for you, verse 4, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Why should we give? Because we're all in partnership together in the gospel. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? What, what is church to you? What is Grace Baptist Church? See, your, your answer to that question is extremely important. Is it just something we do because culturally we go to church on Sundays? Is, is church just a way to keep God off your back? Is it just like a, a penance that you perform to appease God? Is, is, um, is it just a, a ritual to you? Is it a place to get some good moral training and to raise your kids up in good moral teaching? Those are all, those, those are all lousy definitions of the church, aren't they? What is church? Church is a partnership in the gospel. That's what this is. That's what we're doing. I preach the gospel on Sunday morning. I stand up here and preach the gospel. Why? So that you can go, wow, that was nice. And then go home and forget it? Or so that you can walk out those doors and then tell it to somebody and tell it to somebody and tell it to somebody and so on and so on and so on and so on. That's what's supposed to be happening. And so it is a partnership in the gospel. Verse 7, Philippians 1, 7, Paul says, It's right for me to feel this way about you in thanksgiving and because I hold you in my heart for you are all what? partakers with me of grace, koinonia with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This is interesting language. You are partakers with me of grace. Paul is calling his whole ministry grace. He calls it his grace. God's grace poured out to him was his ministry his mission work to the Gentiles, to the churches, including his imprisonment, and his defense of the gospel. That's what we are partakers of. We are partakers of ministry and suffering together. And so verse 27, chapter 1, verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, he doesn't use the word koinonia in this verse, but he's describing koinonia. Koinonia is a standing side by side for the gospel. Or, or uh, other versions will say contending for the gospel. It's battle language, folks. It's battle language. We are striving. We are contending. We are fighting. We are battling together for the gospel. That's what church is. That's what Grace Baptist Church is. 
soldiers battling for the gospel. Instead, churches often become Christians battling against each other, right? What are you contending for in church? What are you, con- what are you fighting for in Grace Baptist Church? Well, I'd really like blah, blah, blah to happen. Well, where did the blah, blah, blah go? Why don't we do blah, 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 blah? What are you fighting for? What are you sending emails about? What are you talking about in the parking lot? What are you complaining about? The gospel is what we are fighting with, together with each other for. Amen? No other agenda. Verse 29, and this means we're going to suffer. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Koinonia is suffering for the gospel. Suffering for the gospel. Paul's suffering is that he's in prison. This church's suffering is that they're giving their money to him while he's in prison. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul will say that this church was very poor. In, in trying to encourage the Corinthian church to be givers, he says, hey, the Philippian church, they're giving, and they give out of poverty. They're giving out of their poverty and out of their persecution. So we know that this church is suffering. It's not easy for them. This is not a wealthy church. This is not a church of of upper-class, white-collar people. This is a poor church that still chose to give, even in the midst of their own suffering. So Christ is committed striving and suffering for us, isn't he? Do you believe that? Is Christ committed to you? Yes, one person believes it. Amen. Is Christ committed to you? Say it at home. Is Christ committed to you? Yes. Is he striving for you? Yes. Is he suffering for you? Yes. Okay, so then our question becomes, what are we committed to? What are we striving for? What are we suffering for? Look, this isn't a guilt trip, folks. I'm not guilt. I'm not, this, I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching, well, Jesus suffers for you. You should suffer for him. No. Here's what I'm preaching. Christ is suffering for the church Will you join him? Will you join him in suffering for the church, for the kingdom, for the gospel? It's an invitation, not a guilt trip. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul continues, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit any affection and sympathy. And you know, this is a famous passage. If you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard this passage. Complete my joy. Be of the same mind. Have the same love. Be in full accord. One mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Don't look on your own interests, but look on the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to describe the mind of Christ, who is in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant, the likeness of men. He being found in human form, humbled himself, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our koinonia, folks. That's what we share. 
We share, that's the fellowship of the Spirit that we share. That's our participation in the Spirit. To participate in the Spirit means that each of us has the mind of Christ. That we can live from the fullness of Christ. The fullness of the mind of Christ. Are you living and giving from fullness? That's the question. He says, don't do anything from conceit. Did you hear me say that? Philippians chapter 2, don't do anything from conceit. The word conceit means emptiness. Don't do anything from emptiness. Here, it's a, it's, he, his language is a little bit tricky. It's a, he, he, he does a paradox. Don't do anything from emptiness, but empty yourself. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Paul, that makes no sense. Yeah, it does make sense if you are allowing the fullness of Christ to come in, right? So we're not left, we're never left fully empty. Here's what he's saying. Inside of you is selfish ambition, your own interests. Those are inside of you. Okay, what do I do? Do, do I just get rid of those? No, you bring in something else to take the place of those. This is basic Christian life discipleship 101 that I'm giving you. We never just cast off a sin, do we? We never just say, stop it. We say, put off the sin by putting on Christ. So, as I am filled with the mind of Christ, I am now able to be empty of the selfish ambition and my own interests. Do you see it? And now, am I functioning from emptiness or from fullness? fullness, but I'm not full of selfishness anymore. I'm full of the mind of Christ. Well, what's the mind of Christ? Not grasping, open hand, servanthood, suffering, death, the death of my agenda, the death of my, my comfort. Do we give from that? Are we able to give from that fullness? And then in chapter 3, Paul takes us even deeper into this union with Christ, this fellowship with Christ. This is all before he really gets into the whole money thing. You see what he's doing? He's, he's paving a theological pathway into why we should give our money. He's helping us understand that, the, the, that when, you, when you give to the church, you're not just checking some box. And again, you're, not, you're definitely not just keeping God off your back, right? We give because we are participating in Christ and in His church. So Philippians 3.10, Philippians 3.10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share, there's our word, koinonia, in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Paul is defining the Christian life for us as participating in the sufferings of Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you thought that becoming a Christian meant that Jesus saves you and now no more suffering, if that's what you were sold when you got saved, somebody, somebody lied to you. Right? Because here's what Christianity actually is. Here's what being a Christian actually is. You have been raised to new life. You have been resurrected into God. 
so that you can then move backwards into the suffering and death of Christ. See, Christ went from suffering to death to resurrection. Christian, you go from resurrection to death to suffering. That's your life. Giving, sharing, sacrificing. That's participation in Christ. Listen, today I want you to know, Christ suffered for you. Christ died for you, for your sins. Why did Christ, why did Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, why did the eternal Son of God come to earth, take on flesh, become a baby Christmas, right? Baby Jesus in a manger. Why did he do that? Why did he grow up? Why did he live a perfect life? Why did he suffer? Why was he put on trial? Why was he executed? Why did he die? For you, for your sins. He did for you what you could not do for yourself. You would have to have been perfect. You would have to keep the law perfectly in order to earn your salvation. And none of you have done that. Neither have I. We don't even come close to doing that, do we? You see, it's not my good outweighs my bad. At the, end of, at the end of days, we don't stand in front of a giant cosmic scale where God puts my good on one side and my bad on the other. Hopefully my good outweighs my bad and then maybe I'm in. That is not how the Bible presents eternity. The Bible says when we stand before God, all it takes is one sin to declare us guilty. The book of James says that if you violated one part of God's perfect law, you violated the whole thing. And so, we need a substitute, don't we? We need a substitute. And so, I implore you today, if you have not received Christ as your sacrificial substitute for your life, for your sins, for your, your um, failures, if you have not done that, do that today. Do it right now. Receive Him. Christ, I receive you. It's that simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Trust in his life and you will be saved. The only way to know Christian, the only way to know Christ fully is to participate in his sufferings. Some of you are trying to grow spiritually without participating in the sufferings of Christ. You can't. You can't. Some of you are trying, I'll say it again, some of you are trying to grow spiritually without participating in the sufferings of Christ. Your, prayer, your prayers are, Jesus, take away all my suffering. Instead of, Jesus, help me to participate in your suffering. Let, let suffering transform me. Okay, what does that have to do with giving? Because giving is a form of suffering, isn't it? For every dollar you put in, basic economics, y'all, for every dollar you put in, that's a dollar you can't spend on ice cream. Or, oh, I got some, yeah. Uh, or new clothes. Or uh, the trip you want to take. Right? And see, what most of us do is we, we make sure we can do all those things too, and then, we get, and then we cut a little slice for Jesus, and we do that. Right? But that's not suffering either, is it? That's not sacrificing. That's not being a giver the way Christ was a giver. And so now we come to chapter 4, where we read this morning, chapter 4, verse 11. 
So remember, let's review. My relationship with God, he's pouring into me. God is pouring his grace. This is a relationship of need. I need God. I need his grace. He's pouring his grace into me. But now my relationship with you, my relationship with the church, our relationship with one another, our horizontal relationship is not one of need. It is one of contentment. My relationship with you flows from all that I receive from God. I'm receiving from God so that I can share with you, so that I can share with the body. Okay? So again, we don't, we don't place each other into debt. I've been here 20 whatever years. Right? Pastor Bill could say, I've been here 30 years. I've, I've dedicated my life to this church. Grace Baptist Church, you owe me. If he said that, shame on him. And I've never heard him ever talk like that, ever. I can, I can say to you, I've never heard any of your pastors talk that way. This church owes me. That's not the relationship we have with you. We have a friendship with you. We have a co-laboring with you. Right? It's not about you owe me or you owe the church or the church owes you. That's not what this is. And so in chapter 4, verse 11, not that I speak of being in need. Wait, what? You're in jail, man. Of course you're in need. And Paul's saying, no, I'm not. I'm not in need. And then he launches into, I'm content. And, and then he hits that classic verse that we all know and quote out of context, right? I can do all things through Christ, which we always translate as, I can do all these amazing things, but the context is, I can be starving for Christ. <laughs> I can have nothing for Christ. I know how to, I know how to be abased. I, kn I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be brought high. I know, I know how to be starving, and I know how to be full. I can do all things through Christ. I don't need your money. I don't need you. And that's the spirit that we have to have amongst each other. Not with God. We need God, remember? We never look at God and say, I don't need you. If you do that, yikes. Watch out for lightning bolts, right? But we can look at each other and say, I don't need you. I don't need, I don't need your money. I, as your pastor, I have to be able to say that. Because if my spirit and attitude becomes, I need the church to survive, I need the church to pay my bills, I need the church to give me a raise, as soon as my spirit becomes that, what's going to happen to me? That's scary to think about, isn't it? I'm going to not be, I'm gonna be, not be working for God anymore. I'm going to be working for me. And that, I don't ever want that to happen, and I hope you don't ever want that to happen to me either. Remember, neither God nor the church needs your money. Y'all should write that down, take a picture of it, but you never heard a pastor say that. God doesn't need your money, y'all. The church doesn't need, Grace Baptist Church does not need your money. God's kingdom doesn't shut down if you stop giving. God is on the throne. He's going to advance the church one way or another. We are fools to think that Grace Baptist Church will be here forever. The Philippian church is gone, isn't it? The Ephesus church is gone. The Corinthian church is gone. Do you think that Grace Baptist, if the, if the Lord doesn't come back for another thousand years, we're fools to think that this will still be here. God doesn't need this. He doesn't need this building. He doesn't need Brady Walcott. He doesn't need your checkbook, does he? 
And as a church, we don't need you to give. But, but, there's always a but, but you need to give in order to experience the profit of God. God doesn't need you to give, but you need to give. Do you hear the difference? God doesn't need you to give, but he created you to be a giver. If that's what he made you to be, then you need to do it to be alive. (laughs) Right? And you're doing it. Like I said, you're already giving to something. You're giving to your kids. You're giving to your parents. You're giving to your roommates and your friends. You're giving. And I know, and, and most of us watching, I'm preaching to the choir most of the sermon. Most of you are givers, generous givers to the church and to the kingdom. You need to be a giver or you're not fully alive because that's what you were made to be. God doesn't need it, but you need to give it. Paul says, He talks about the prophet. So verse 17, Philippians 4, 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So he's saying, saying, thank you for the gift. Epaphroditus brought it. Thank you. I'm eating again. But I didn't seek it. I don't need it but I seek the fruit that is credited to you, the givers. The word fruit there can also be translated as profit. It's a financial word. It's a a financial metaphor that he's using. He's using a lot of banking language in this passage, actually. So when you give, you experience the profit that God credits to your account. Okay, now that's tricky because what just happened? Did Paul just become like a prosperity preacher on us? Is this suddenly health and wealth gospel? Obviously not, because Paul's in jail, right? He's in jail. Clearly, Paul is not ever preaching that if I do everything God wants, he'll take away all my problems, all of my my earthly problems. Paul is going to die at the hands of Rome. And again, he's writing to an impoverished church. And he never once said to them, hey, hey, Philippians church, if you give, suddenly you'll be rich. Put that $100 check in and God will turn it into 1000 Put that $10,000 check in and God will turn it into 100000 Like all the TV preachers are telling you, right? That's not what God is saying. So we have to wrestle with, what is this fruit? What is this profit that Paul's talking about? And, and, I, and I put it here on this slide. His grace in the shared suffering of Christ. That's the profit. That's the prize. That, the prize that we get in glory, that we get in eternity. You say, well, well Brady, how, how do you know? How, where are you getting that? From chapter 3. From chapter 3. When Paul said, I want to know, here's what, here's what I want more than anything else. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and I want, to, I want to know the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And then if we keep reading chapter 3, he's going to say, That's, this is why I'm barreling forward to the prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. What's the prize? Jesus Christ, knowing Christ, sharing the fellowship of his suffering, 
That's the profit. That's the prize. That's the grace of God. Paul said, he said in chapter 1, verse 7, you are sharers of my grace. Your grace, Paul? You're in prison. Yeah, that's my grace. (laughs) That's God's grace. God's grace looks like prison sometimes. God's grace looks like hardship sometimes, doesn't it? God's grace looks like giving up something so that something else can grow and flourish for the kingdom. Brady, how, you know, Pastor Mark last week talked about we're going to plant churches. Brady, how are we going to plant churches? We, we have a budget. How are we going to plant a new church? That's going, to take, that's going to take a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe some of you will give above and beyond what you're giving now so that we can send out church planters and we can rent a gymnasium somewhere or whatever, whatever it takes. And what that might mean is you got to give up something earthly in order for that to happen, right? But what do you gain in the process? What's the profit in that? Sharing in the fellowship of Christ. Sharing in the suffering of Christ. Do you see it? Do you see it? Paul says as much in verse 14, 4.14, it was kind of you to share my trouble. They shared the trouble of Christ. Now share my trouble. Sharing in the suffering of one another is sharing in the suffering of Christ. Brady, how do I share in the suffering of Christ? Share in the suffering of Brady. I mean, honestly. How do I, how, Brady, how do I share in the suffering of Christ? Share in the suffering of other Christians. Share in the suffering of those who are ministering the gospel. Become a disciple maker. Attach your life to somebody else's life. Share their suffering. Walk with them. Join a group. Join a small group so that you can share your life and share the life of others. Will that be hard? Yes. Will you have to give up something? Yes. Will it be to your profit? Yes. As you are transformed and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So our final question, are you experiencing the grace of God and the shared suffering of Christ through giving? Are you experiencing the grace of God in the shared suffering of Christ through giving? Giving your life, giving your time, giving your stuff, giving your possessions, giving your money for the cause of Christ. For the cause of Christ. You say, Brady, I don't have a lot of money. I don't, I don't have a lot. Yep, I get that. These are hard times for many of us. And the beauty of what Christ is saying, what Jesus is saying to us, is he's not putting a number on this thing, is he? He doesn't put a number on it. He doesn't even put a percentage on it. You know, you're not going to hear us stand up and say, you all got to be given 10%. That's old covenant. New covenant is we give as God allows us to give, right? We give as God allows us to give, even if it's two pennies. You know, the classic story, right? The widow walks in and she, she drops two half pennies in there. Cha-ching! God says she gave more than anybody. And now she can share in the fellowship of the suffering of Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, you are the giver, the greatest giver of all time. You gave your son. You loved us and sent your son.
You gave everything. Jesus, you gave up everything. You didn't consider equality with God something that, the, the equality of that, of that glory, something to hold onto and grasp onto, but you are willing to set aside that glory veiled in flesh you came. And you became our servant. You became our slave, it says. You died for us to the point of death, even death on a cross. And now, Jesus, you have made it so that we can share in that. Today, here on earth, we share in your suffering so that one day we might share in your inheritance. Today, here on earth, we, we give up for our brothers and sisters. We let them wear the robe. We let them wear the ring. We let them wear the sandals. We let them eat the fatted calf knowing that everything is our Father's and everything that's His is ours. And so now we can share from fullness and from freedom. God, free our hearts today. Fill our hearts today. May we embrace the shared suffering of Christ through giving. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.